they're, they're the uh, two of the readings uh, on the reading guide for this week. Um, uh, this is the first week of Advent that we're looking at, and um, actually, one of um, one of my favourite stories about Queen Elizabeth um, is uh, she's re- she is reported to have said, um, "Everywhere I go, it smells of fresh paint." And, um, and 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 I relate to that because working in the health service when I did, you know, you'd be in a hospital and it'd be, uh, you know, if some dignitary was kind of coming around, it would, it would generally be, you know, it would all be tarted up and made to look as good as it could be because someone's importance is coming, someone very special is coming. And that's what we do when someone very special is coming, we get things ready. And that's what this little series is, this next three or four weeks of Advent is us preparing our heart for really focusing in on the uh, the uh, the coming of the most special VIP that ever there was. And uh, so that's what we're just doing uh, this next little bit uh, of time. Um, In fact, Laidlaw College, who wrote the guide, said, for thousands of years, people have created art, written poetry, and sung waiato, or songs and hymns, to remember God's story and prepare to meet, to receive him. Little acts of human response and worship. Um, So I just wanted to lift out three things from, um, partly from what we've uh, just read. Um, And the first one is uh, that, that passage talking about in the last days the mount of the Lord's lifted up and um, people of all tribes and tongues streaming to it, saying, "Let's go uh, and and go to the go to the mountain of God, visit the temple, so He'll teach us His ways." And and we we read about God settling disputes between nations. There's no need for a sword anymore. There's no need to train for battle anymore because actually God sorts out any disputes or any issues between nations. Um, it's uh, it's an amazing amazing passage that um, uh, written thousands of years ago, um, and and I guess the first thing I wanted just to say because um, it it's interesting thinking about that in 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 New Zealand where uh, you know in in Maori culture one of the first things you talk about when you want to explain who you are is you talk about what is my monga my my mountain where where do I connect to, and. Um, and, and, and that's really the first point I want to make is our manga is a longing fulfilled. That's that's what our manga, our mountain is as God's people. Um, it's Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And there's something about when you've been aching and longing for something that's finally fulfilled that brings life and healing to us. And um, uh, that's an amazing phrase, actually. It's only used in three books of the Bible, uh, tree of life. You probably remember it from Genesis, three, in, three times in Genesis, and four times again in Revelation. It talks about the tree of life. But the only other place is in Proverbs, four times it talks about a tree of life. And that is wisdom, is the fruit of righteousness, a longing fulfilled and a soothing tongue. They're four things that are a tree of life, uh, as we understand wisdom. Now, um, any, any fellow uh, English people like me, um, and I say this because there's, there's a certain thing happening around the world at the moment that we tend to focus on a little bit but if I say 66 to an English person they know exactly what I'm talking about and it's not 1066 although that was an important year but it's 1966 much more important <laughs> and in fact and in fact there was a regularly a hit a hit that was absolutely the number one selling song was talking about it's coming home all about 1966 although it never has quite done that since that we've kind of got close but you see there's a hope about a future that's anchored in something that's part of our shared history and uh, that is part of our identity as as, as English people you see we've kind of got that so uh, it's, it's it's part of uh, what we take a longing fulfilled, you see, and that hope 
that hope gets deferred and we feel pretty sick about it. And then maybe a longer will be fulfilled before too long. And um, it was interesting when I worked for British Airways, um, one of the things that happened in, this is in about the kind of late 90s, one of the things that interesting things that happened in marketing is they, whenever they're advertising uh, about the flights and the planes, they took a very technical focus. They talk about, you know, your, your look, look at, look at how, how much leg room you've got and look at the, the nice seat pitch to lay back. And all of a sudden, they hit upon something that was just real genius and they shifted from that technical description to, um, to pictures of families looking at the arrival gate and running and jumping to hug with tears of joy because they realised actually that they weren't really selling the technical thing of a flight. What they were selling was connection and that sense of a long and fulfilled when you finally connect with someone who you've been waiting for so long to see. And um, I know that that's something that many of us relate to because probably um, you know, COVID happened and all of a sudden we take it for granted that we could connect with people and then you know, we found that we couldn't connect with them. And, uh, you know, some of us who've got family further, you know, further afield, either other parts of New Zealand or, or elsewhere, we couldn't connect for, for a period of time. And, yeah, when, when we did, the interesting thing is, like, the strength of emotion surprised us because we'd buried a kind of longing, actually. And you do, you kind of, you know, you kind of shut things off and you get on with the practicalities of life, but you don't realise there was this longing for connection there. And we'd had to just bury it. And we had to get on with things. And then suddenly there was an opportunity again and that longing could be fulfilled. And um, that's the same really as faith. That's the same thing. It's opening up our hearts to what matters most to us. Um, there's a kind of a homecoming and coming home to our monger, our mountain of future hope. And um, the interesting thing about us, as, as Christians, what we're reading in this, this, these words from Isaiah is actually we're anchoring not to, not to just our history as we would do in kind of Taumari, you talk about your, your people and where you hail from, but our history is a history, it's actually a projection of the future, so it's something ahead of us as well. So when we're thinking about Jesus coming for the first time in a stable, we're also thinking about him coming again. And so we have this thing that anchors for something that's an event in history, but also anchors to the future, a future mountain, a future place where... Um, which is, which is, um, you know, we look back into the foretold future. How about that for a bit of mind? It's like back to, it's like, it's like we could have a DeLorean and, and a car's running. <laughs> um, so that's the first point, really, that our manga is a longing fulfilled, and it really brings life. It's a tree of life for us. The second thing um, is actually just a thing that struck me from this passage, which is. The rule of the coming king is actually eagerly received, which is an interesting thing because actually most of the time we don't like people telling us what to do, do we really? We don't really like that. And, um, uh, and, and yet we see, and this is a really challenging time in our world because um, you know, we're witnessing all kinds of things around the world. We're witnessing election tampering. We're witnessing manipulation of social media and you know, kind of information warfare. We're witnessing the flexing muscles of a billionaire who just acquired the rights to a social media site and is going to do whatever the heck he likes, whatever people think about it. We have that sense of, you know, authoritarian strength, really just, uh, and, and, and that's a source of, uh, not hope, but anxiety and stress, actually. So um, it, it, it's, it's an interesting time, actually, when we look at, you know, for a long period of time, the Western dream was everything will always get better. The laws be progress. Our democracy is the best system. It's going to work out. And actually, it's turned out that, um, some of those things can be very easily gamed and manipulated. 
you know, we're looking at some elections of some very authoritarian people who get like 97 and 99% of the electorate when people get to vote with soldiers standing there saying, well, who would you like to vote for? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a real perversion and it's made us realize that those things that we took for granted cannot be taken for granted, actually. Um, in 1849, Henry David Thoreau wrote, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And... Um, that's what happens if our hope is deferred, our heart is shut off. And we just kind of get on quietly. But it is that, that is a crisis of our age um, somehow. We're the first generation that said who don't believe that things will be better for their children than they were for us. Because we can't see, uh, we can't, all the trust we might have previously put in leaders and authorities to sort things out, whether it's climate or whatever else, um, is, is, is proving challenging. As... Um, as that famous philosopher Neil Finn said of Crown House, you know, in the paper today, tales of war and waste, but you turn right over to the TV page. So we shut off from it. We shut off from it because it's too difficult. And, and, and all of that creates that hunger, which is why, as you re we read in that passage, people were saying, let's go up, let's go up. Let's go up to the mountain. Let's, let's receive the rule of the coming king who's going to sort out the disputes with justice, with equity, with righteousness, protecting the most vulnerable, with integrity, all those things that actually in our world are, you know, um, few and far between actually. Um, you know, it's such a contrast, our failed experiment in putting our trust in, in princes, in humans who are fallible. And then we see someone who's going to order the world with life and compassion and service and integrity. And um, I love that thing in the scripture as well there that says, you know, they'll beat their swords into plowshares, you know, this, this thing here, what am I going to do with this? It's, it's useless. What? And, 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 and it speaks of prosperity. I, I've got so much harvest to get in. What am I going to do? Well, I better, better repurpose, recycle some of this stuff. Because actually what, what comes with the, the, the rule of Jesus, what comes with his rule, is, a, is an ability to lay down the guard that we put up to, to protect ourselves. So actually, I can be who I am. I can be myself. And you know, that's a big thing for us here, is just being able to come and be yourself here. It's what we're about here at Urban. And we're about that because we, we want to follow Jesus. And that's, that's the kind of environment that he creates. You can just be who you are. And uh, you don't have to put a wall up, put the guards up, spend those resources on protecting yourself from what might be harmful. Um, so the rule of the coming king is eagerly received. And um, the third thing I wanted just to say uh, was this. We're joining our forebears in something called watchful waiting. So those passages we read were Old Testament passages. The other two readings for this week, if you've had a look at them, they talk about, um, Jesus talks about the parable about his future coming. Uh, he, he's coming again. It says it was a long time, but he says, keep watch because you don't know the day, what day your Lord will come. But understand this, you know, if the owner of the house knew what time of night the thief, the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and wouldn't have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready for the Son of Man will come at an hour where you do not expect him. And again, Paul in Romans talking about this says, uh, it said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is closer now than when we first appeared. So there's this sense of, with that great future that's ahead of us that we're anticipating, that anchors back to what's gone before, one of the things we, um, that leads us to is a sense of being watchful waiting. Again, 
going back to my health experience, watchful waiting was a phrase that was introduced because you might get you might get you sent sent to a consultant to be diagnosed, and they say, okay, well, this is what's going on for you. I'm not going to operate on you right now. It's not the right time for it. The condition's not right for it. But what we're just going to do is, I'm just going to keep watchfully waiting, and we're going to keep monitoring what's going on. We'll keep testing you, whatever, and then just at the right time, we'll take some action when it's needed, if and when it's needed. And um, that's uh, that's a little bit like what what we're called to be now in this period between Jesus coming the first time and the kingdom being sort of already here and the kingdom in fullness being not yet the now and the not yet. Um, it's um, it's a bit like uh, again one of the differences between New, New Zealand and many countries in the UK is when you you don't just go from red to green on a traffic light. I think I mentioned this before. You have a period where you go red. And then it goes red and amber, and then it goes to green. And that, that's helpful, because the red and amber is the point at which you say, okay, you put it into gear, you know, you get your hand on your, your thumb on the handbrake ready to go, you're revving on the accelerator, because it's just about to go. And that's that sense of red and amber together being what we're called to, actually, what we're called to live. And um, a bit, or a bit like um, the, uh, you know, if you think about an athlete, when they're waiting for the gun, um, there was a famous sprinter called Linford Christie. One of the things he said was, he said, he said, a very, very successful, uh, successful um, short distance runner. And he, and he said he'd kind of get down and, and he'd be ready. And he said, I want to be ready to go on the beer of the bang. I want to go on the beer of the bang. The very first thing that as soon as you hear that sound pistol. And so that's what we um, think about as we, as we kind of anchor forward as well. We just think about that sense of um, wanting to be ready, wanting to be ready for this thing really happening in all uh, all of its fullness. So, just want to finish with with this thought for you. Really, what is it that we're actually looking for when we're our hope is deferred? Well, it's not really a what, is it? It's a who. It's a king who'll lead us with pure heart and skilled hands, justice and integrity, someone to believe in, really believe in. Not just a, a, a famous person of this world or a ruler that's flawed and ultimately lets us down, but someone to say, I yield to you. I live under your manner, your authority. What we long for is actually the presence of the king. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So have you found yet the one who's worth waiting for?